It's Tuesday, October 19th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. It could be the next generation of the internet. It could be bigger than the impact of the mobile revolution. And many companies are gearing up to make it happen. I'm talking about the metaverse. It's an immersive digital world where you can shop, gather with friends in the form of digital avatars, and experience a world that goes beyond the real one. The technology isn't completely there yet, but big tech companies like Microsoft and Facebook are working hard toward that goal. Sarah Needleman, tech reporter at The Wall Street Journal, joins us for what to expect from the metaverse and what it will take to get there. Next, interventions in diet, exercise, and mental outlook are some of the best ways to add healthy years to your life. Experts who have studied longevity say that by the end of this century, it's possible that someone could live longer than the current record of 122 years old. There's a process in which certain stressors can activate genes that slow down cell growth and aging, and a lot of that can be triggered with diet and exercise. Matt Fuchs, contributor to the Washington Post, joins us for how to add healthy years. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. So I think of the the metaverse as the next generation of the internet. So you can kind of think about it as instead of being an internet that we look at. It's an internet that we are a part of. Joining us now is Sarah Needleman, tech reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Sarah. It's my pleasure to be here. Let's talk about something pretty fun, the metaverse. Now, this is kind of a lot of people are really hyping this up right now. They're saying it could be the next phase of the internet. It could be bigger than the mobile revolution. And companies are really trying to kind of put everything together that we've been working for towards so far, virtual reality, augmented reality, just kind of online gaming. It, this would be the metaverse would be kind of all of that pushed into one. And it would be basically, you know, kind of living, shopping, participating with others in kind of this uh, online world, this virtual world. It's, uh, think of Ready Player One, that movie, if you've seen it, it'd be something very similar to that. But there's lots of companies that are putting a lot of time, effort, and money into this. So, Sarah, help us walk through some of this. What are we looking at? Essentially, the metaverse is considered the next evolution of the Internet. And the difference between that and what we have today is we'll have a lot more people capable of congregating together online. Right now, there's a limit to how many people could be in a single experience without things slowing down. Another aspect of the metaverse is that we'll be able to create our own content. It'll be for anyone. And it's really replicating the real world into the virtual. We'll have a 3D replicas that are very, very realistic of the real world. And we'll be able to recreate history. For example, we'll have the Colosseum in, in Rome as it was being built. We'll be able to go on the in, into space and, and we'll be able to travel just about anywhere and see virtual replicas of the real world and new versions or new things that we haven't thought of or just opportunities to experience things that aren't possible in the real world. And so the technology will evolve to the point where it's very, very realistic, especially if we're using better hardware than we have today. And we, we could use our phones, we could use our laptops, but uh, imagine a future where everybody has a virtual reality headset and they're not these big clunky things you see today, but more like a typical pair of eyeglasses or sunglasses. And uh, it will just be so much more immersive that you'll really feel as if you're sitting next to someone who's actually maybe hundreds of miles away. And you'll really feel as if you're walking on the moon or if you're in the desert, maybe not the heat, but <laughs> you certainly would, would see things that would be replica of the real world that you couldn't just 
see it with a snap of your fingers today, but in, in the metaverse, you will be able to. Yeah. Now, I mean, obviously the possibilities are pretty much endless when you were veering off into these types of things, but there's uh, some real effort, as I mentioned, behind all of this. Big companies, NVIDIA, Roblox, Microsoft, Facebook is probably one of the biggest companies that is really going to put a lot of effort into this. I think uh, Mark Zuckerberg himself said that People are going to start thinking of us more than a social media company and thinking of us as a metaverse company. Talk about these kind of company involvements and how they're really pushing it. I mean, Facebook just announced the other day that they're planning to hire thousands of people to help it uh, with development of the metaverse. So there's a lot of excitement around it. For this to happen, we need a lot of tools and resources to be able to create this metaverse I described, this this replica of the world and three-dimensional and all its beautiful glory and in ways that we are that are creative. And so we're talking about a lot of technology that doesn't quite exist today in terms of the speed, real-time rendering, the quality of graphics. We're sort of there. We're getting there, but we have a long way to go. And we also need to have the metaverse be somewhat seamless in that if you travel from one experience to another that you could perhaps have the same avatar because we're going to see each other as avatars, which will be digital recreations. They may look just like we do in real life, or we might be cartoonish and have like a unicorn or a mohawk or whatever. We could change our appearance. (laughs) And there's got to be some sort of universal system where you can travel from point A to point B with some sort of consistency. Like we have today, when the web first was created, we didn't have HTML right off the bat. So things were a little bit discombobbled. <laughs> and uh, over time, we created HTML and we had a more, more universal experience from one website to the other. It's, it's basically the same kind of movement. And so we have to build something akin to that for the metaverse. We also have to think about the economics for buying digital assets. How do we secure that asset, those yeah. kind of assets? And that's where something like blockchain comes in. And we have to think about safety and privacy and so many other factors all these companies are thinking about it, the ones you mentioned, and, and many others, including many startups. And so it's getting there, but it's going to take time. Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned, detailing kind of all the technology, technological advancements that we really need for it and that uniformity that we might need for it. I mean, it's going to be a big boon for the first company that hits it and for the first company that hits it right. Stepping into this marketplace and, and just kind of being the, the first one is such a huge thing. So for sure, I mean, that, that makes sense that Facebook is, is pushing mm-hmm. hard for something like that. Right. Um, and then, you know, they have all the other Facebook stuff built into it. That social aspect is already built in. So yeah, definitely I could see kind of the rush to get there. You did kind of right. mention some of the... Um, the privacy and security issues that do need to be addressed. There's a kind of this thing that we saw. I, I keep, keep going back to the movie Ready Player One and, and kind of, of this uh, thing where, you know, people are starting to prefer to live in these digital worlds. And that's a real concern for psychologists and, and, and a lot of people. And all you have to think of it right away is to young kids right now in technology, digital natives, right? They're adopting the technology so much faster already. If this stuff really fleshes out, I mean, they're going to be growing up in this new technology. It may be a lot of it may be blended into the educational experience. And so it will be natural for them and even into the into the work experience. And, and it will apply to everything in our lives, social work, school, et cetera. And there is a concern, especially for young minds who, um, you know, young people, they develop their social skills, uh, the real social skills in person at a very young age. And so if we start growing up or spending so much time online, it, there are concerns among mental health professionals that we could see problems in that area. And also we have to think about things like identity theft, like how do you know you're really talking to who you're talking to? 
you know, state secure financial transactions. There are just so many factors. And to your point earlier about Facebook jumping in and, and getting a head start, it's often said that the metaverse will not be owned by any one single entity. And Mark Zuckerberg has said that too. But there was also a race to get in and, and, and be a part of it and be part of the plumbing that, that builds it. And, uh, and so there is some sense of competition on that level. Okay, so it's not this metaverse thing is not just all necessarily fun and games. There's real business aspects to this. You know, there's a lot of commerce that's going to be taking place on this. Everything from us, things that the consumer wants to businesses as well. You know, one of the experts you talked to said every Fortune 1000 company is going to have a metaverse strategy. This is going to be a place where things like NFTs are going to start just taking off completely. The business side of things are really going to take off. We can expect a lot of companies to have like a presence in the metaverse, just like they have a presence online today. The difference being, and one example I like to use is, imagine if you're shopping for a camping tent. Right now, you can look at it online. You may even be able to use AR to sort of picture it in, a, a, in your backyard, for example, if you wanted to. But with the metaverse, theoretically, you would be able to physically stand inside it. You would look up, you would look down, left, right. You would see the material all around you. You would know if you're a very tall person, whether or not you fit in it and how comfortable it might be and how many you can fit yet get all your family in it. Um, you'll look to each other's avatars, but you'll be in real size. Uh, it'll, it'll be just like you are in real life. And uh, if you raise your hand in real life, your, your avatar's arm would raise your hand. You would look left, look right, same thing. So this is where it really takes things up a couple of levels in terms of sophistication and immersiveness. And you know, for businesses, that presents uh, incredible opportunities, probably ones we haven't even thought of. And, and at least one of the um, people I spoke to for the article talked about this idea of virtual pets. So this would be a business that doesn't necessarily right. quite exist today. We, we have sort of little iterations of that in, the, in Roblox and uh, some other small uh, initiatives around NFTs. Going back, to, uh, going going back to your uh, Tamagotchis mm-hmm. even, <laughs> way back in the exactly. day. Exactly. <laughs> kind of like that. And that's where the um, blockchain kind of technology that NFTs are built around could make sense. I mean, there could be something we haven't even thought of that doesn't exist yeah. yet today in terms of securing digital assets and how you would make it so that you could breed a pet and it would have an original quote unquote DNA in the metaverse world. And then you could potentially have racing and gambling on these races because it will have this, you know, original code that was created to be for your, uh, you know, three-headed unicorn with purple teeth and sneakers on, uh, whatever. The possibilities are endless, but it's really exciting. And uh, you can imagine from a commerce perspective, there'll be many things to buy and lots of fun ways to shop and lots of experiences to spend money on. It really is pretty exciting to think how far we've gotten with technology and something like this metaverse is kind of that culmination of all the past things that we've been put together. Like I said, Tamagotchi's augmented reality, virtual mm-hmm. reality, everything, you know, the whole internet age kind of all put together in one. It's pretty exciting to think about. It's a very lofty goal. We'll see how quickly we can get there or these companies can get there, but just fun to think about the future that way. Sarah Needleman, tech reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. In a way, it's like playing the lifespan numbers game. And currently, there is an unprecedented number of people over over age 100. There are 294,000 of them worldwide. Joining us now is Matt Fuchs, contributor to The Washington Post. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Let's talk about 
the aging process and long, longevity and really where the limits of uh, the human lifespan can be. We do see things like super agers here and there, but really the mortality plateau, according to some experts, seems to be 105 years old. I guess the current uh, record is 122 years old, but you know, not many people are getting there. But let's talk about that first, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what we can do to help us get there, uh, get to those uh, top end of the age spectrum. As you mentioned, Jean Calment died. She's the one who got to 122 and set the record. She died in 1997, and we haven't seen anyone break her record in nearly 25 years. But one of the statisticians I talked to, Michael Pierce, said that statistically speaking, that's not a significant gap that would suggest the record won't be broken at some point by someone. Pretty much uh, everyone I talked with noted that the pool of people who could break her record is larger than ever before. So in a way, it's like playing the lifespan numbers game. And currently, there is an unprecedented number of people over over age 100. There are 294,000 of them worldwide. So we'll see if uh, one of them has 20 more years in the tank. Throw in a, a plug for my grandmother. She's uh, 99 years old. Oh, wow. So, you know, I have to be objective as a journalist, but uh, I, what can I say? I'm pulling for her. <laughs> so I mean, one of the reasons that we're seeing for people getting more people in that kind of in that range, and obviously we'll talk a little bit more, too, about what we can do to get ourselves into that range. But why are we seeing more people get in that range right now? I think that's a really great question. I think it's partly because more people are practicing strategies that have been supported by research in recent decades. More people are aware of um, at least three areas that are really important to health and longevity. One of them is diet. Here, the evidence is somewhat mixed when it comes to nutrition and fasting. Some research shows that it's beneficial, but much of it is from animal studies, at least, uh, and at least in, in humans, it's not clear that what it is exactly about fasting that's good for us. Like maybe it's just that we end up eating fewer calories, so we're less likely to be overweight, and that certainly helps support health and longevity. We'll say that some of the fast-mimicking diets are interesting, uh, could be beneficial. They do seem to show benefits in studies of humans. That's where you have very low-calorie five-day eating plans that trick the body into thinking that it's fasting uh, while allowing some foods and nutrients. You write a little bit about how a certain amount of good stress can be good for the body. And really what some of this does, it can activate genes that slow down cell growth and aging. So that's why when we get into you know, the fasting and all that stuff, it kind of starts triggering that in the body so that uh, you can slow the aging process down. And you were talking about, you know, certain things like the intermittent fasting and whatnot. And so this is kind of what's promoting all that. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting aspect of what's going on here with a few of these strategies, including diet and nutrition. Now, you definitely don't want to subject yourself to too much stress, but many scientists believe that a certain amount and type of stress can help us live long, healthy lives. And that's thanks in part to evolution. Our bodies didn't evolve to be super comfortable sitting on the couch watching TV, waiting for a driver to bring us our online dinner orders, as much as I love to do that. As David Sinclair wrote in his, his, uh, his book, 20, uh, Lifespan, in uh, 2019, our genes didn't evolve for a life of pampered comfort. And a little stress goes a long way. <laughs> That process is known in the field of aging research as hormesis. 
And it's a process in which various stressors like those related to diet, but also exercise, seem to activate genes that do slow down the rate at which our cells are growing and ultimately slow down the aging process itself. And so when it comes to exercise, it's kind of similar to the food thing, right? You know, a little bit of intermittent fasting might help with the exercise. This high intensity interval training could also help. It's like I said, it's just a, it's a very similar thing just applied to the exercise. Although they do say, you know, even the exercise should be in moderation. Don't overexert yourself. That's right. I think that that applies to all of these areas. Maybe like anything else in life, it's good to have a balance and not overdo it. I think exercise is one of those areas where there's even more consensus in this realm about the strong associations between exercise and slowing down the aging process, particularly for high-intensity interval training. As you mentioned, HIT is something that um, there's an endocrinologist named Sri Nair at Mayo Clinic who found that 12 weeks of HIT reversed many age-related differences in how older people synthesize proteins, multiplied their mitochondria, which are the powerhouses inside our cells that are, that are so important. Strength training is also very important. It's been shown to partially reverse aspects of aging. But I, I do think that it's important that when we talk about, quote-unquote, reversing aging, that doesn't mean that you're on solid ground waiting necessarily until you're 60 or 70 to start doing these things. You know, <laughs> right. like it's going to be too John late F. at that point. Yeah, John, that's right. Uh, you know, and it certainly helps in older age. But like John F. Kennedy said, the time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. And uh, these, are, these are strategies that people really should try to implement as early in their lives as possible if they want to tack on additional years of healthy life. And the last component of all of this, obviously, the mind, you know, it's it's good to have yeah. long, loving relationships. There's a lot of studies that go into that. Obviously, optimism, having a good outlook on life, you know, helps. It, it just helps you keep you in the, in the right frame of mind, obviously. But it's been shown to help with longevity as well. That's right. Yeah, the mind is always so important. And one of the studies that I cited and had an opportunity to talk with the person who conducted it in 2019, a Boston University psychologist named Louina Lee, she found that optimism was associated with exceptional longevity. Some of the optimism we see in people is genetic, but scientists like Lee think that about 75% can be attributed to someone's environment, like their experience. And there are actually some interventions that seem to be pretty effective for increasing optimism, like writing on a daily basis about what you see as your best possible self or having a daily practice of writing down the things you're grateful for. But, you know, on, on the flip side, that environmental influence that may partly explain why people who are entrenched in poverty, you know, they don't have much reason. Maybe they don't have much reason for optimism and people who are in poverty. That could be one of the reasons why we see that they, they die at a, a younger age. Yeah. Well, a few kind of uh, tips on how to kind of extend that stuff, just have that healthier lifestyle. But, you know, it all put together can help you definitely expand the longevity of your life. Matt Fuchs, contributor to The Washington Post. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you. That's it for today. Join us on social media daily dive pod on both twitter and instagram leave us a comment give us a rating and tell us the stories that you're interested in follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast 
This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.